Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Backmarkers F1 show. I'm Chris. I'm joined remotely from Skype from the comfort of his own home. Tyler McDonald joining me for second week in a row on Skype. Tyler, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you. No, it should be fun. Uh, an interesting race. We got something different finally, which is uh, everything we ever wanted in the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. And uh, I hope the fans enjoyed it because I sure enjoyed watching the race myself. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody did enjoy it. Um, you know, last year it was seven races in a row. Well, yeah, yeah, seven races in a row that Mercedes won, and uh, this year it was only five. So <laughs> at least a positive change, right? We're, we're, yeah, we're making progress toward the right way, I guess you could yeah. say. Yeah, so no, it was definitely good. It was nice to see another result. It was nice to see, of course, Max Verstappen take his ninth victory in F1. And uh, thank you to everybody, actually, just for the positive comments and the responses on the mm. uh, Verstappen videos in the last couple of days. I mean... I was telling you guys in the message chat that uh, you can always count on the Dutch fans to, uh, <laughs> to to get us some good views, I guess. That's right, that's right, yeah. No, it's, uh, it was a great video by you, Chris, to uh, kind of highlight that uh, and how Max basically did save or is saving the year uh, in his own way. Uh, and uh, it's all but true and it came really came to fruition in this last race because other than him, there's no real contenders. Uh you know, we had Alex Albon, who was in the same, you know, the sister Red Bull car, who did have a very good race himself. I think maybe his best performance this year. Um, but still, he's not challenging for a podium place. And that's the key thing right now for Red Bull is to have a second car to bump up there and give them some strategy options. But this time they just took the strategy op options themselves and went for it with Max. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. I mean, imagine... Because pretty much when you look at it, Max and Red Bull won that completely on their own. Now imagine mm -hmm. if Albon had the pace or the qualifying pace to be able to get in there and uh, maybe would have made the race even a little bit easier for Red Bull having the second car like you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was just, it was wonderful strategy, wonderfully executed. And I'm I'm, I'm with Max in, in what his comments said post-race. And I'm just so surprised that nobody went with that same strategy on Saturday to qualify on the hardest tire because that tire was effectively last week's qualifying Q2 tire. So I'm kind of shocked that nobody went that same route. No, I'm shocked as well. Um, you th I would have thought more teams would went for it. And maybe that's why Red Bull uh, really stuck with it instead of going another flying lap on the mediums uh, you know, for, for stop and slow down. Well, at the end even uh, of Q2, I believe, um, Hamilton and uh, Bottas both slowed down as well to make sure they were on uh the tire that they well it would have been the mediums uh yeah the mediums so um yeah interesting strategy play out and uh red bull takes could take all the credit for that one for making the right one yeah absolutely um just just a side note just getting back to uh to the dutch fans i, I also want to thank all of them for giving me a good geography lesson that <laughs> i'm not supposed to refer to it as holland I, I have to call it the netherlands um even though that was being hotly disputed between most of the dutch fellows in the in the comment section so yeah it seems like a touchy <laughs> subject that one so maybe we'll just we'll, we'll stick with netherlands <laughs> yeah. and then yeah then the believe max is from the province of holland i think that's how it broke it down um this that's how I viewed it from the comment section, and I could be wrong. Yeah, well, no, because somebody attached uh, some geographical, like, educational video. It was actually pretty oh. helpful. It was, like, a little three-minute one, and Great. it, like, showed how... It, it was similar to Canada, and obviously the way that we're broken up into provinces as well. Yeah. But from what I understood, and some people were even like, hey, I'm from Holland, and I still don't understand. Oops, yeah, I just <laughs> did it again. I'm from the Netherlands, <laughs> and I still don't understand. Um, but basically, it's like uh, there's, North, there's North Holland and South Holland provinces... 
But the reason why it's commonly referred to as Holland is because all of the major cities are located in those provinces. I see. You know, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Also, we don't know the geographical <laughs> outtake of, of the Netherlands, but uh, yeah. we appreciate because it was all very positive comments. There's no one really hating us, no. so we appreciate that giving us the positive feedback. Hey, we're not perfect uh, in any way. So uh, we appreciate all the feedback from our fans, and we hope to to get more. And maybe not, uh, you know, the whole geographical lesson of, of Holland, <laughs> but maybe just some some feedback on the race. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, you got the beer lesson last year, remember? That's with- right. That's right. I think <laughs> with Heineken, I got the the beer lesson. They were all over me for that one. Yeah. So. so I figure the next one might be like you know something related to their economy or something else, something like that. But we yeah, got maybe. Maybe the economy, maybe it will be, uh, well, I, won't, I shouldn't be soccer because uh, I should have that nailed down pretty yes, well. Yes, yes. I think that conversation with Shaker included as well, we do pretty well at. I think so. Uh, just to, to throw in the, the theme for these podcasts, for the quarantine podcasts, uh, today uh, also wearing a team that's playing right now, Sevilla. Sevilla. Wearing a Sevilla, Sevilla jersey from Spain. Uh, I went to go see them in Spain. Uh, so... Uh, Supporting them uh, in their match, their Europa League match right now. I don't know what the score is uh, because it's upstairs and I'm downstairs. So we'll find out after the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but continuing the theme. Uh, yeah. so I think that's I'm going to try and get a theme going, a different jersey every podcast. I like that, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned it because um, the room I'm recording in is actually where I'm storing like all of my jerseys because I don't have any place to put them up. And I was just recently browsing them like last weekend and I found, like I didn't even know or forgot that I had a Leo Messi jersey oh, that cool. uh, my sister got for me when she was in Barcelona. And I'm like, you know, I, I thought of you because I'm like, maybe I should start wearing these for the podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, I got my massive soccer jersey collection. So a lot of jersey collection in general, a lot of hockey there as well. And I know a lot of European fans are going to be like, oh, it's football. It is football, but just for the namesake, keep it soccer because, you know, anyways, who knows? It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. But you get the point. I yeah. do have a massive jersey collection. When, uh, when we get back in our regular studio with Shaker, maybe we'll just do like a one-off, you know, mm. kind of non-F1 related other sports type podcast just because uh, yeah. I know some people in the comments too, they uh, they always make some sort of uh, replies or remarks to it when we talk about some other sports, so that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, um, that'd be great. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's all the knowledge we have on the Netherlands and we'll keep on learning and we'll keep on... Uh, <laughs> and orange that. is their favorite color, we know that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. But, <laughs> but it's like you said too, like everybody was really cool, really uh, positive mm-hmm. and funny in the comments too. So my, I, I, before we just move on, one of my favorite ones was like, oh, like uh, Holland, that's, wouldn't even, that's not even where you'd want your body to be found. I was afraid to ask why. So Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if I know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, getting back to uh, the the flying Dutchman, Max Verstappen. Um, yeah, like we were commenting, fantastic strategy. Uh, I think it was probably one of his more Im- impressive performances. Just a complete race, uh, similar to Brazil last year in 2019. I think the way he managed the tires and the fact that he was a whole lot nicer to his tires than Mercedes were. But just pretty much everything, man. They nailed the strategy as soon as he came out on the mediums. Nailed the overtake on Bottas. I thought he was going to wait, maybe another lap or a half a lap, but just was like. Forget it. I'm going to get it done now. Well, even Brundle during the broadcast was like, yeah, he's gonna not going to take him long to overtake him. And then he was like, well, I didn't think it would be that soon. It was like one, two corners after uh, yeah. after he came out of the pit. So, I mean, he was pretty determined to get into that clean air to help his tires even more. And uh, we saw in that second stint, it was a very interesting strategy because 
it was only about six laps I think he had on the medium set of tires and then went back to another set of hards. Uh, so a very short, short stint on the mediums to get to that quota where you have to run two different tire compounds in a race, obviously the one you start on and then a different one during the race. So um, they got that quota in and then switched right back to what was the best tire of the weekend, the hard set tires, and did a two-stop and worked out perfectly for them. Yeah, I think it was maybe as we were watching was a little bit confusing why they did that. But yeah, it's like they just kind of wanted to get it done and out of the way and their pace was just so much better on, on those hard tires comparison to pretty much everybody, but especially mm -hmm. Mercedes. Because Mercedes, as soon as they came in for a fresh set of the hard tires, they had blisters almost immediately yeah. um, within five or ten laps or so. Um, but yeah, just completely, completely nailed the performance. And, you know, I was surprised because at the end when I saw the championship standings, the fact that Max is now second in the championship, considering he had the DNF and it just seems like Mercedes has been dominating and dominating. But the fact that he's second in the championship was actually a bit of a shock to me, but just shows like how great he's been this season. Yeah, it really has. I mean, he's the one that's pushing uh, Mercedes to their limits right now. And it helps for, for Max because of the current temperatures. I mean, it's very hot in, uh, in England for the race in Silverstone and, um, we saw how much that affected the Mercedes and their tire wear. Uh, that was the big issue for them. And you know, look at where they're moving on next. They're, next week, they're going to Spain. And I can tell you, Spain this time of year is, is very, very hot, especially in Barcelona because it's not near the water at all. It's in the center of, of Spain, so they'll be uh, red hot there. So that's going to be a very tough go for Mercedes. So I, I think I like Red Bull's chances going to Spain as well. I like Max's chances to close the gap even more on the championship. And as we move forward, I mean, we have Belgium. That's going to be a hot race, you would think, in the, in the middle of July. Uh, and then slowly we get to Italy, which will also be very warm this time of year. And then after Italy, the two it Italian races, especially Mugello, which is a very uh, hot area of Italy, um, starts to tamper down in, in temperature and maybe we'll see Mercedes flip back. Who knows what will happen? Maybe Mercedes will adjust and help their cars with, uh, with the blistering that they have. But uh, I, I really want to give a, a really big kudos to Pirelli. And a lot of people may be crapping on them because they went with the softer tires. We saw a lot more pit stops. Uh, the tires weren't holding up to get the you know good racing. But you know what? I think the strategy was so key to make this season interesting and, I, and to raise the tire um, uh, the tire pressure, the PSI to, it was 26 pounds, I think. Think they had? I think it was. I think it was even higher. I think it was twenty-seven psi, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Anyway, somewhere around there, right? Um, to help with the tire blowouts, uh, a safety reason. Uh, but in that case, you know, we're kind of helping and doing bringing softer tires to uh, let the teams do a little more strategy here and there and see what they can do. And we saw the whole top ten. I believe only two drivers stayed in the same position as where they started in, in the top 10? Only one, just Stroll one. and uh, P6. Okay, there you go, even better. So uh, a lot of movement in the in the grid, which is what I think what everyone wants. So kudos to Pirelli, and uh, hopefully they can continue that for races to come. I know tires are preset in time, but, I mean, hopefully they, they can kind of adjust to that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, and I touched upon it a little bit in the preview that I think that the softer tires were the right decision, and I suspected or I predicted that we were going to get an exciting race with a variety of strategies and exactly what we got. I mean, if you even look at Latifi and Hulkenberg and George Russell, I think as well, did three stops. Yeah. Um, some were due to vibrations and otherwise, but still, like you mentioned, Stroll being the only one that's finished in the same position, compared to the race before in the last weekend, 
I mean, it was way better. And you didn't have drivers just staying out one long stint for 30, 40 laps and doing high tire management. So I think it was completely the right way to go. And I kind of wish that they would do it for Spain too. Um, like you said, obviously it's preset. And for Spain, I think it's a little bit more punishing on the tires as well. So the harder compound might be uh, the better way to go. But uh, I, I agree with you there. I couldn't, couldn't uh, give more props to Pirelli for changing it up too, especially with two races at the same track. Hmm. Yeah, you needed to have that change up with the two races at the same track. But I know at first they were talking about, oh, we'll do it a reverse, uh, but you can't do that because of logistical reasons. I mean, you can get into the you know, the traps and where the marshals come out. It's just a whole logistical nightmare. So you can't do that. So it was a good idea to uh, to change the tire compounds uh, a little bit, you know, play with the pressure a little bit and uh, and make as many changes as they could uh, to the track. Well, sorry, not to the track, but to the cars to give a, a different race sort of feel. And it was, it felt like a different race. It felt like they weren't racing at Silverstone two times in a row because it was two completely different races. Yeah, absolutely. And going back, speaking of the uh, heat, did you remember to hydrate, Tyler? I did remember to hydrate. <laughs> I sanitized too when I got home from work uh, to make sure my, my hands were nice and, and clean. And uh, I'm hydrating right now with a, a nice cold uh, beverage, which I won't say what it is because... We want sponsorship money. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so if one of the uh, cola companies could sponsor us, then right. I'll tell you what, what, what company it was. Yeah, there you go. See? Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm going to uh, maybe listen to Max from now on for my uh, my health advice there. I think that's, he's, that's true. I think he's on top of it. Um, but yeah, Spain right now. Just looking, uh, I looked at the forecast yesterday. Thirty plus degrees, sun. Mm. You know, no no rain, really no clouds either. So, um, yeah, I think that we could be in for another similar type of race with Mercedes struggling with overheating and with tire issues. So I'm looking forward to Spain because I think it's going to be uh, another good track for Red Bull and another good opportunity for them to possibly, you know, steal a win there. Um, you know, just when you were talking about before about looking ahead to the other tracks and what this could mean for the championship, you know, I still think that Mercedes, they still have such a good stranglehold on the season that... Um, even though this was a good performance for Red Bull and they have put a little bit of pressure on them, I'm going to have to wait another couple of races to see if they can capitalize on this. But I still think that Mercedes more than likely are going to still run away with it. But it could make things interesting if, let's say, Hamilton were to get a DNF or if Red Bull were to win this race in Spain. Um, nonetheless, I think they gave Mercedes something to think about because I'm not sure if you saw... I think it was during FP2 when Toto and some of the other team were out on scooters around the track. Yeah. Yeah, you saw that, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, that stuff, it's all fun when, when you're winning and when you're dominating. But seeing how the weekend unfolded, they kind of got caught sleeping. And, oh. you know, that stuff makes you look really dumb. And Red Bull perfectly executed the race weekend. No, absolutely. I think uh, even Hamilton said that, or is it Bottas, I think, said that. Yeah, uh, I think Bottas. I think it was Bottas said they were caught sleeping and weren't paying much attention. So, um, you know, Bottas, who, again, gets the short end of the stick uh, on strategy somehow and, and finishes P3, um, I mean, you know, he's probably very upset because he was the number one driver. He should have had the best strategy option, and he didn't. And uh, the whole Mercedes, I'm sure there will be an interesting debrief at Mercedes. And talking like this is an absolute failure of a race for Mercedes. They still finished third and, and second. So, I mean... Really, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, it's it's the end of the world because they didn't win a race. Yeah, that that part I, I can honestly say that did bother me, especially when Hamilton got on the radio too, and he's like, "Oh, like they must be running smaller pressures." It's like, yeah. dude, really? Like you win every single race, and now when you just happen to be losing, like you immediately have to go to you know somebody's cheating or undermining it. It's just, 
you know, I, I, I think it was just sort of a heat of the moment thing and he didn't elaborate on it post-race. So, but yeah, I got that feeling from Mercedes too, where it's like, they always like to dramatize. It's like, yeah, you got second and third, no other team and no other driver except for Stappen is challenging you all year. So yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I completely agree. So we'll see if more complaining happens in Spain, uh, <laughs> uh, which will be... Uh, I think it's going to be a fun race um, yeah. because there's a lot of different factors. These teams, it, it's been a while since they practiced and had their testing at Spain. Um, and uh, we're going into very hot temperatures where uh, you see testing is you know usually very cold temperatures uh, in February where now we'll be... Middle of July, or sorry, middle of August. It's it's going to be a scorcher, as you mentioned, with the the temperatures uh, in in Barcelona. So should be a fun one. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Um, preview for that race should be out on uh, Thursday. Um, so yeah, another the final wrap up to the the triple header. So another busy week of uh, videos and races ahead. So that's good. Um, all right, so getting off of uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, again, guys, as usual, just at the end of the show, or even now, if you want to pause the video, get in the comments, let us know what you thought of uh, Max Verstappen's performance, the Red Bull strategy, and uh, what do you think this will do to the championship outlook heading into Spain and the other races. Um, I wanted to move on to Ferrari, and uh, I know uh, you were really happy with uh, Charles Leclerc's performance last week, and I'm sure you're still impressed by uh, what he was able to do again, P4. I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, like, come how, on. How he's doing it. <laughs> well, how he's doing it, too. A one-stop, pulls off the one-stop, was, I believe, the only driver to pull the one-stop off. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong uh, in the chats below, uh, but I believe he was. Uh, anyways, uh, it, and a very impressive performance by Charlotte. He was really struggling at the end, but he nursed those tires uh, to perfection almost, the best he could do it. Um, good strategy by Ferrari somehow they managed that to pull that off and they almost got another podium I mean uh, P4 for them uh, you saw how happy Charles was with that uh, with that result at the end of the race he thought that was the best he could do I thought that was the best he could do unless uh, a retirement of some sort but uh, you know, very good for Charles he keeps you know, keeps impressing he's learning and I think this will be a very good learning year year and a half for Charles to be able to manage the very stressful and hard situations that Ferrari is going to be going through right now uh, and to be dealt all these difficult situations is just going to make him a more mature and, uh, and you know, streamlined racer down the line when Ferrari are competing. If he does stay with Ferrari and uh, they'll be able to compete with four championships, hopefully, with Charles and he'll be ready for any sort of situation he, uh, he might face uh, with all the practice he's been getting. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a good test considering that until 2022, they're not really going to be competing for anything mm -hmm. serious. Um, so especially as a young driver and moving on next season when he's not going to have somebody like Fettel alongside that can maybe steer the team in the right direction in terms of setup and how to get through these sort of things. Um, so it's a good test for him. But yeah, I think that that was a surprise just to see Ferrari, especially with that car, being able to pull off the one stop was quite impressive. And yeah, he's put them third in the Constructors' Championship. I, I, I didn't think that was really going to be possible. I didn't think they'd be there at this stage. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by him. I want to see what he can do in Spain. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the Italian races. It'll be important if he can get Ferrari on the podium at least there, considering that they're going to have uh, three three Italian races. Yes, right? Two. Two? Imola. And are they, I don't think Imola's confirmed yet. No, Imola's confermed. So, oh, oh yes, did they? So it would be three then, though, with uh, Monza included. It would be, yeah. Well, wow. let, let me check. I thought I was on the Formula One website, and I thought I didn't see it confirmed yet, but it, it might be. I just might have missed it. 
Yeah, I think recently because they confirmed the the weekend schedule um, that they were going to only do two days with the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, but yeah, I was just going to say that the fact that they got three races in Italy this year, I know they won't have any fans for most most likely for any of them. Yeah, right now all I see on the F1 website is 4th to 6th of September is at Monza and the 11th to 13th is at, uh, uh, where would that be? That one's probably Mugello, right? I believe that's Mugello, yeah. And that's all they have right now. Okay, interesting. So I'm not sure. So they haven't released to Imola yet, unless they're doing it after Portugal in October, because they go 11th to 13th in Italy, week off 25th to 27th in Russia. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. I thought I was under impression that it was 100% confirmed, but maybe maybe it's not slotted maybe, in just yeah. yet. Trying to all find right. a week, maybe they can fit it in, but... Yeah, I, I would love to see him when I come back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be a great track for sure. Um, so yeah, so th- that that's it on Leclerc. But let's talk about Vettel and Ferrari. I mean, two weeks at Silverstone, two incredibly difficult races, and pretty much every session was incredibly difficult. And I just wanted to bring this up because somebody in the comments uh, brought it up uh, in the Verstappen video. Personally, I think that this divorce or, or breakup between Ferrari and Vettel is just going to get so ugly. I think it's already there right now with this thing that we're seeing on team radio. Vettel not even wanting to reply after the race. And then him basically calling out the team over the radio, telling them they messed up, bringing him in and then ahead of traffic. Um, but what do you think? What's going to happen with him? First of all, do you think that he's going to last the entire season? Do you think he's just going to cut ties in the middle of the season and say, I'm done for now and then I'll be back next year with Racing Point? Or do you think that he'll tough it out, but it's just going to get really, really messy? <laughs> I oh, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it'd be interesting to see if he steps away and says, you know what, I'm done dealing with that BS for this year. Uh, it's been a wild year, and who knows who they bring up? Do they bring up Mick Schumacher? Like, uh, uh, he's been performing pretty decent. Uh, or Robert Schwartzman, uh, they have in, in F2. He's been a very good racer as well. He's a Ferrari Academy driver. There's a lot of good Ferrari Academy drivers in F2 right now um, that they could bring up and kind of test out. Uh, or they bring up Giovinazzi or Raikkonen. You know, it could be one of those things as well. But uh, for me personally, I, I see Vettel uh, staying the rest of the year. He's a four-time world champion. Uh, I don't see him giving up. Um, at the same time, uh, Ferrari are, I think, doing him a, a pretty wrong here. I mean... He's he's suffered through a lot of years trying to win a championship with Ferrari. He's come close, uh, but have, hasn't been able to pull it off. And then it just seems like they're 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 do- uh, no, I'm not, I don't want to say doing it on purpose because I don't think Ferrari would throw away points or anything like that, money on purpose. But yeah. it, everything's always happening to Vettel's car. I mean, I, I I don't get what it is that everything wrong is happening to Vettel. All the strategy calls, parts flying off on him i mean it's like the whole team's given up on him and it's pretty disappointing to see from ferrari because uh you know vettel's put a lot of time and effort into trying to make them a championship team and you know it didn't work out unfortunately sometimes that happens uh but uh, i think they should have at least tried to figure out what's going on with him because he's having an awful season and i don't think it's his fault at all yeah i think that's right and I think he's been shafted by Ferrari with you know them not even offering a contract and pretty much giving the keys to the team to Leclerc before he was even established. Not that Leclerc mm-hmm. you know isn't uh, obviously the future team leader, but I just think that it's like you said, the fact that he came into Ferrari and the amount of love that he has for Ferrari, you can just tell 
that this guy, you know, literally bled red for the past five, six seasons, however many it's been. So for him to go to that effort and to basically try and will Ferrari back into championship contention, which he did for two seasons, along with, you know, other members of the team as well. And for it to just end like this, it's just sad. It, it really is at the end of the day. There's nothing else to say, whether you're a fan of Ferrari or Vettel or, or not. It's just really sad to see because we know how much he loved this team and we know how much of a connection he had to his childhood hero, Michael Schumacher, and him wanting to emulate that. And like you said, it didn't work out, obviously, because of mistakes he made, mistakes that the team made. But at the end of the day, I think that he was content and he accepted the fact that it wasn't going to happen. But whether he's going to admit it or not, I feel like this will hurt him, the fact that the way that this ended. Because even with Michael, when he finished his career at Ferrari, yeah, they didn't contend for championships the year he retired from Ferrari. But they still were able to get some podiums, a win or two. And uh, it was a very positive send-off. So I think that Vettel deserved a send-off like that from Ferrari. And I don't know what's going on with the car, but it just doesn't seem like it's working for him at all. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're doing anything to intentionally sabotage him or, or ruin the car. But I don't think they're doing anything to help him gain his confidence back because he's got none right now in the car. Um, you did the analysis after the first race in Austria about how ugly the car looked to drive in some corners. So somebody in the comments was saying, um, you know, possibly uh, could he go back to Alpha Tauri for the rest of the season and then Kafiat moves up because he was a, a test driver for Ferrari as well. So um, I'm with you. I don't think that he's going to stop because I think he's a professional and I think that uh, he owes that much to himself to just see out the last couple of seasons and try and do something to, to go out on top and go out respectfully. But um, if he were to, let's say, just break the relationship off in the middle of the year with Ferrari, I feel like he'd probably just go home and rest up and recuperate and then be fully recharged for 2021. Yeah, it could be an option as well. I mean, 2020 is a weird season, so uh, yeah. who knows what could happen. Uh, the driver market we didn't expect to, to open up might open up. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's going to get a little bit uglier, I think, uh, before it gets better for Ferrari and Vettel. Um, now, you touched on uh, Alex Albon. Very good drive for him, actually. Mm. Um, I, I know you're you're a fan of uh, what he was able to do. And uh, great overtakes. The one uh, on the outside of Cops on Kimi Raikkonen obviously comes to mind for me. But I wish he would have just qualified a little bit better, and then he might have been in there with the fight with uh, Verstappen as well and, and tried to be a rear gunner for him. But nonetheless, I think uh, it's kind of a theme with Albon. Struggles a little bit in qualifying, but then just really enjoys overtaking during the race. Yeah, he's very brave on his overtaking as well. It's, it's nice to see, but his Saturdays do need improvement, Chris. You're right. Uh, I mean, he was the fastest car on track for a, a good stint in that middle part of the race. Uh, you know, faster than his teammate for stopping. Uh, so he, he has the potential there. And, and I, I said this last week, I believe, in our recap as well, that everyone just needs to have some patience with Albon. Let him figure it out. He'll be there. He's got, you know, they believe in him. Uh, you know, Rebel really believes in him, obviously, and I think that everything will slowly start to materialize and come together. It's a young kid as well. I don't think they can kind of do what they did to Gasly and say, "Here, you know, we'll switch it up." Yeah. You know, he's not crashing. He's he's racing actually pretty well. Uh, it's just his Saturdays that do need do need a, a lot of improvement. Uh, but I thought he had one. Like I said, the, his best race of the year for sure, if not one of his best with Red Bull. Uh, Finished P6, I believe. Uh, is that, uh, is that yep. right? Uh, let me or, just double no, check. No, P5. He overtook uh, Stroll. P5. P5. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're right. He overtook Stroll uh, in the last few laps. Um, so to do that, pass the racing points, which are pretty fast. Uh, he did a very good job. So I think a top quality job for Albon. And 
uh, he can take that momentum and hopefully have a good qualifying in Spain and who knows what can happen. Yeah, yeah, we're absolutely cheering for him. Um, you know, and, and like you said, I think the gap again to Verstappen still still an area of concern that he has to address. But when it comes to race day, he seems like uh, he's a lot more comfortable than on Saturday. So he, he was the most entertaining driver to watch that on uh, yeah. on Sunday. Very daring, like you said. I mean, he's <laughs> not afraid to to put the car there, but he, he like he places the car very intelligently. Yeah, perfectly. Um, yeah, exactly. So you can see that it's there. It's just. You know, again, I hope it seems like Red Bull are treating Albon. Maybe they've learned from the mistakes they made with Pierre. Um, so hopefully that sh- that uh, that new sort of way of working with him will be able to work. But you got to back up your driver. You got to give him the confidence. Let him grow. Having Simon Rennie as the new race engineer, I think, helps him as well. Um, but yeah, you can imagine what the, what Red Bull could do if you also had Albon in there mixing it up with Valtteri and forcing Mercedes into an undercut or an overcut situation. So important for Albon to uh, get up to speed a little bit quicker and then championship could be a little bit spicier <laughs> exactly you know we could make things interesting that's what we want yeah absolutely um another driver this is uh just before we got on the air um f1 just recently uh, released their top 10 onboards which i always love to dive into because we miss so many uh while we watch the broadcast and i know yeah. people complain about it uh you know all the time and stuff but you know tyler as you and i know being in the broadcasting business it's it's a pretty complicated gig and oh. you can't get everything involved at one time. And it's very hard. And, and especially in, in motor racing too, it's even harder to try and get every single piece of action in on the track. Um, which is why I love the fact that they do this on their YouTube channel, but a round of applause standing ovation to me has to go to both Williams drivers. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Tyler, but the overtakes from Nicholas Latifi, first of all, spectacular. And then also from George Russell as well on lap one, the battle that he had with Latifi was just, it was amazing. I have, have not watched the overtakes yet. I saw it on the YouTube before I, uh, I logged on here, but I didn't get time to watch it. So now I'm, now I'm even more excited to watch it. Yeah, no, it was great. It was uh, lap one had a battle between Latifi and Russell going into uh, Luffield, uh, turn six, or sorry, Brooklyn's in six and then Luffield in seven. And then, man, it was just fantastic. As they were going into Cops, Latifi almost pulls off a triple overtake going into cops and then Russell passes him by uh, afterwards in, in Beckett's on the outside and then Latifi later on in the race had a nice pass on Magnuson on the inside uh, I think it was Beckett's in the very high speed corner so just on Latifi you can really tell even though I'm just hold on a second pull up where exactly he finished um, I know we didn't see him much during the race uh, 16th I want to say finished P19 so, no, no, so, so last. dead last Magnuson did retire but even though, like even that, you know, you see Russell and uh, and Latifi on the last of the grid. But I do think that they had a good race. Um, strategy didn't work out for them very well. But he's just a lot more comfortable in the car, and you can see he's gaining the confidence now, just with his overtakes, and much more comfortable with the car. And he's not that far off from George Russell either. He was ahead of him a couple times on track, yeah. and even a bit faster. So I, I liked what Williams showed this weekend, even though that the results weren't there. You know, they didn't finish near the points or anything. But uh, some really, really nice, daring overtakes. Some of the best, I think, for the whole race. Oh, you can tell that you know we have two drivers there that like to overtake and are very aggressive and very talented. But uh, the car isn't there on race day, unfortunately. It is for George during qualifying, uh, but uh, it's not there for the team on race day because even George can't keep his spot in in uh, in the in the race day. So uh, still lots to work on for Williams, but a massive step in the direction from last year to this year. Uh, and hopefully next year it gets even better and even better from then on because they should they it always bothers me Williams should be a team that is at least in the top five of the constructor the constructors yeah. uh, I know you have to have someone to be last but 
I don't know. It's just it's very. I feel bad for for Williams because of the, the amount of history that they have. Yeah, especially during like the 70th anniversary celebrations yeah. where you see where they once were. But uh, and it, and it would be nice too. You know, we always talk about Russell going to Mercedes, but wouldn't it be nice if Williams were able to get him a car that he could be a championship winner at Williams, like yeah. some of the greats used to be. So. It'd be nice, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to give uh, a tip of the hat to to both Russell and Latifi. Um, not really shown on the broadcast, but uh, definitely worth talking about. So, some nice moves from them, um, and obviously a little shout out to the Canadian. Okay. Other Canadian as well, like we said, Lance Stroll finished P six. Uh, I want to talk about Racing Point a little bit. I don't know how much you followed the whole uh, Racing Point uh, controversy and the case and the rulings and everything, and. Yeah, you got to have some sort of a university or law degree to try and figure out all the little stipulations and regulations and stuff. But what do you think of the outcome? Was the penalty too much? Was it too little? What do you think? Well, it's it's be a lot for me. I don't have four hundred thousand euros, um, <laughs> but uh, for Lauren Stroll, I, mean, I guess that might not be that much. That's nothing. Um, I mean, we have to look back to the the um, oh, what, what's it called? Not the What's the Mercedes steering wheel thing called? Right, I can't think. Oh, uh, right DAS. Now. DAS. Thank you. I was thinking DR. I knew it was sort of the D. DRS. <laughs> I was like, it's not DRS. No way. Um, obviously, um, their DAS controversy got said. You know, FIA said, okay, okay. You know, you probably shouldn't be doing this, uh, but you can use it for this year, and then next year it'll be banned. So it's all, okay. We we get a, a ruling out of that. Uh, racing point. I think should kind of get the same sort of way. Now, they did kind of go more of a loophole because they knew what the rules were going to be. Um, so it's, it's a tad different. But uh, I, I don't mind the fact that, you know, they'll get a reprimand after every race, um, but teams, you know, can't protest. It, it's over. They can use it for the rest of the season, but next year, because it's built into the car, but next year uh, they won't be able to use it. F1 did actually, uh, on their YouTube, did a, a four or five minute, video on the whole explanation and broke it down really nice where you can understand everything that's going on uh and it's still a little bit confusing but anyways uh, it's as simple as it can be on there so you haven't checked that out check that out but um now we have uh, i got a word that uh uh, renault and someone else are protesting the for renault and ferrari protesting the actual decision and that, that's just a whole nother mess. So I don't know. they have too much money, so they decided to spend it on that rather than the car, I guess. Um, but I don't mind the, you know, I don't mind what the ruling was. It's built into the car. Let them have some fun. You know what? The, the whole thing of F1 innovation is finding loopholes through the uh, the regulations and Racing Point somewhat found a loophole. So Yeah, and I was more like the FIA should just take more blame in this because it's like they're the ones that keep changing the damn regulations every year, and they changed this in July 2018, and they didn't really—they weren't really clear on how you're supposed to go about changing your mind or changing the car based on listed parts. Like they've already seen all the designs, they know what works. So it's—it's it's like people have said, you can't unlearn that knowledge. So for me, it was just like I was just looking at the FIA, like guys, come on, you know, what's the point of changing the regulations then? And it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah. Definitely a little confusing. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be over yet, too, like you mentioned with the appeals. And, you know, Renault won technically, but they're appealing the fact that they won because they want, you know, the car to be thrown out or, or whatever they want. So uh, McLaren didn't go ahead with their protest in the appeal, 
probably because they're moving to Mercedes engines for next year. So I'm assuming Zach Brown got a phone call from somebody at Brackley. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It seems like it's going to keep on uh, going for the next couple of weekends for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess a little drama off track too doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt. It's just some talking points during the, the somewhat little lulls that we have. But uh, you know, I'm sure there will also be not even close to the end of uh, this discussion we have over the racing point car. Um, do you want to mention Nico Hulkenberg, though? Uh, yes. Good for him. Uh, finishing P7. Uh, could have been P6 if he didn't pit, but he said that, you know, I think a lot of people were angry that they pit him. Uh, to try and get Stroll ahead of Hulkenberg, but even Hulkenberg said uh, in the post-race scrum that uh, he didn't feel in the car that his tires were going to go to the end, so they pit him just to be safe, rather get points than no points, yeah. uh, and he finishes a solid P7. Fantastic for him, it's nice to see him back in an F1 car, showed and proved that he deserves to be in an F1 seat, and once again, I'll just raise the concern, we need more teams in F1 to have all these drivers for uh to to be able to run this because there's drivers that should be an f1 that aren't and it's pretty frustrating so we need more people into it we need more constructors into it and uh i don't know f1 have to find a way to get more than 20 cars on that grid yeah absolutely it, it all stems down to that and i've said this uh, probably about 15 20 times on the podcast how many podcasts do we have 80 of them so 80 every something, five, yeah. every <laughs> five podcasts it. i mentioned this yeah i think i think so anytime we talk about driver market you bring it up yeah no exactly because it is the most frustrating thing i mean yeah. back in 2012 when we had 24 cars on the grid it, that was that was all right we you know we enjoyed that they weren't as competitive as they should have been uh the caterums and the the uh, marushas and you know the hrt back in the day uh um, but the 20, we need to have more than 20 because it's, it's, it's very frustrating. Even if it just adds to the more of the midfield battle, I mean, even if they are, end up, you know, doing like a Haas and getting parts from Ferrari a little bit, uh, to start off, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's frustrating because you yeah. know, we need, we need more teams. Aston Martin will be joining. So there's another car manufacturer, um, but they're just swapping. They're taking racing point, right? So it's, it's yep. a straight swap. Um, but as I mentioned, Jaguar would like to. I mean, I would like to see Jaguar get into it, or BMW, or Audi, or Porsche. I mean, those are four brands that have a very deep racing culture. Um, like maybe another American team. Uh, you know, there's a there's a few high quality American teams. I, I think it too. Uh, you can Google them if you're not familiar with them. But Penske Racing, they dominate, uh, do very well in NASCAR, and do really really well in IndyCar. Uh, have won a lot of Indy 500s and. Uh, they race in something else, I believe, too. I just can't think of the top of my head. Uh, oh, uh, V8 Supercars in uh, in mm. Australia. So, I, I mean, there's a team with some money. Roger Penske is a genius he, with his stuff. And, you know, we'd like to see them and maybe go in F1 or Chip Ganassi, Chip Ganassi who also races in NASCAR. They race in uh, in uh, IndyCar, very successful there. And they also uh, used to race in IMSA. So they're used to the, uh, the whole market. You know, there's another team that uh, could go... Uh, and it's F1, I think. So we'll see. Uh, yep. I mean, you, you got to push and make it viable for these teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, the budget cap will do that. It'll allow yeah. uh, more of these more more of these manufacturers a uh, a chance to enter the sport. But yeah, absolutely, that would definitely solve this uh, driver market bottleneck that we would have. We could easily have Hulkenberg back in the sport. We could easily keep Perez and and all these other drivers, and and still have you know more more teams and more drivers on the grid as well which is good for competition. So 
couldn't agree with you more there. Um, and, and yeah, just a final point, you know, on Hulkenberg, I, I mighty impressive, uh, what he was able to do in qualifying and even the race as well. And I'm super happy he finally got the chance to actually start the race and, yeah. and complete it. So it's a good audition too, for, uh, for other teams looking for next year. So could be some room at, uh, Alfa Romeo could be some at Haas. Um, I think Haas looks like they will be re-signing the Concord agreement that's, uh, due, uh, on Wednesday. Um, so it looks like they will stay in the sport. So maybe they're going to look to make uh, a driver change as well. So uh, I think that Hulkenberg has kind of, uh, maybe he was already on the top priority list for other teams, but maybe he's now the number one mm. um, in, in the free agency market. So uh, good for him. I'm glad that he got the opportunity. Yeah, no, me too. It gave him a little bit of practice this year to still, you know, not be completely rusty for next season Yeah, uh, going into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a final point that I had that I just wanted to bring up more of a, a comedic relief, I guess. Uh, it's uh, it's on Roman Grosjean again. And oh, Roman, what do you know? He had a decent race. He, he did have a decent race, but uh, I was, again, watching the onboards. They include some of the team radio. He had a battle with uh, Giovinazzi going into uh, the final chicane in uh, 16, 17, and, uh, and 18. And, I mean, you know the part in the section of the track, right, where uh, Magnussen and uh, Albon had mm-hmm. the collision. So it was similar to that. It was uh, on the exit of 17, Giovinazzi had a little bit of a moment of oversteer and and kind of push uh, Grosjean not a little not off track. Um, you know Grosjean had both left t- left side tires on the curbs, but his his right hand side tires were still on the track. And what what do you think Grosjean did right immediately? Gets oh, on mate. the radio, oh, mate, 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 push you right off the track. <laughs> I was like, man, it's like. I'd really like to defend Grosjean. He's a nice guy. He's a good driver. But it's just sometimes, man, it was the weaving last week uh, for the British Grand Prix. And now it's like anytime anybody even just gets close to them, he's just sort of like, mate, just push me off the track. Yeah, I mean, I love Grosjean. He seems like a great guy um, <laughs> and is, is a very good driver. You have to be a very good driver to be an F1. Uh, but uh, he gives us some comedic moments, which we can all laugh at. And, you know, hopefully he's not remembered for that. But, uh, you know, he does have his own brand, I guess, on the Internet. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyway. Poor good. Roman. Yeah, poor Roman, exactly. Poor Roman. And poor um, Magnuson, uh, double DNF for him. That's yeah. tough for him. Yeah, uh, it's just tough for them, man. It's good news for Williams, though. They might not be last this season. They, hey, they still have no points yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> Could, could we have three-way tie yeah. between Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams for zero points? That's right. Yeah, Alfa right. Romeo looks not good at all. Yeah, yeah, they really look terrible. I don't terrible. know what's going on. Uh, yeah. Big step back for the last couple of years for them, especially. Yeah, that's but right, yeah. We'll see. Um, all right, uh, that was pretty much all the notes I had on the race. Uh, anything that I missed? Anything that you wanted to add? Uh, not off the top of my head. Uh, Danny Rick had a spin, kind of ruined his race, unfortunately. He was on for another good finish. Um, but uh, got on the curb, I believe, just a little too much and spun himself out. Uh, it seems like Sainz has a force field around his car because Vettel went on his on the first lap and yeah. uh, and Ricardo went uh, off the edge of Sainz, so maybe no one should go near Sainz uh, for the next race, especially in his home track in Spain. He's um, already, he already has the bad Ferrari energy for next year. Yeah, that's right, that's right. He's just causing spins all over the place. Um, so tough for Ricardo. Ocon had, thought had a decent race. Um, but after that, I think we mentioned all the teams a, a little bit. So yeah. that's it for me. Excited for Spain. Should be a fun race. And hopefully we have a, another fun fun podcast to be able to talk to uh, talk about and let you guys know. Uh, make sure you guys 
let us know what, what you guys think about the podcast and the race and what you're looking forward to in Spain as well in the comment section below. We've had a, a few videos with, uh, you did Chris yourself and you did a very good job on them. Um, to, that had a lot of traction in the comment section. Really enjoyed scrolling through and seeing people comment and debate. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Everyone was nice and polite. It's a good community that we have here. And uh, hopefully we can have a little bit more of that. It'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I, uh, I tried to get to as many uh, comments as I can. Obviously, it's growing now, which is good. So I can't get to every single one. But uh, yeah, very much appreciate all the good banter. And, and like you mentioned off the top, you know, everybody was like really respectful and polite. Mm which is what we want. So uh, yeah, any opinions and stuff, uh, just drop it in the comments. And we always try and, and either we'll either reply back to you or next time we get on the podcast, we'll try and talk about it like we did uh, in this episode. So yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's definitely what we want to do. Um, yeah, so for the rest of this week, we got uh, the preview. Uh, obviously, that's going to be coming out just before uh, FP1 at the end of this week. And then that will be the it for if the triple header. And then uh, afterwards, we'll we'll reconnect with Shaker over the weekend to see what his work situation is like. And hopefully, we'll get all the three of us back together in in our regular studio. And then uh, get all that uh, content. We'll finally have a, a little bit of a breather after the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, um, one week though, only one week. <laughs> yeah, only one week. Like I said, we're not complaining, but it, it no, is a no, lot no. to uh, to get out, especially. Um, when you got a triple header and also for the teams as well good for them to uh, go home a little bit and get a break so uh, yeah that'll be uh, roughly the content schedule i'm going to be putting out actually uh, updated for the fantasy standings as well Uh, it's one thing i forgot for last week so i'm going to get that out probably uh, just before friday um, on twitter and on facebook just so uh, we can have an update on uh, fantasy standings perfect all right man Thanks again for joining me. Um, oh, enjoy, thank you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Enjoy uh, any footy that you're going to watch. And uh, appreciate, you have, uh, appreciate you joining me today. Um, remember, again, everybody, follow us on social media at TBMF1 Show. You can find us Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, if you like this video, give us a, give us a subscribe. Hit the bell with the notifications. You'll get an email or a phone uh, notification every time we post a new video so you don't want to miss a thing. All right, Tyler, anything else from you? That's it. Thanks for watching. We'll sure see you guys pretty soon next week. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks again for watching and uh, have yourselves a good day.